Hey guys, before we get started today, I want to send you to reformcon.org to tell you about a conference we are speaking at. It is happening October 27th through the 29th in Mesa, Arizona. Yes, obviously we will be there and there is a series of other wonderful speakers. Uh, we'll have Toby Sumter, Jeff Durbin, your dad, Summer. Yes. Uh, I'm really excited for David Bonson, uh, Joe Boot, Andrew Sandlin, John Sampson, Ben Merkel, and more um, there on the website. You can also find uh, ticket information. There are family packages, uh, general admission, child admission. There is a VIP after party event that you can also purchase tickets to, as well as information on the hotel that the event is being held at. So that is all at reformcon.org. And we're excited to meet you guys there. Yep. Come see us. Have you had your soup today? And the cold, crisp taste of Coke is so satisfying, it keeps me from eating something else that might really add those pounds. Six pounds. No. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. Welcome to their episode of Sheologians. We're here today to put the she in cynicism. I really wanted to I'm go sorry, with cynicism. Oh, okay. That's kind of what I was, I was like, I have never this... not known the word she was <laughs> actually trying I to. I did it, though. So we're going to accept that. She's a... Sheism. Sinishism. Kind of makes it sound like a different ism. There's so many isms. Maybe I should... I'm not going with an ism in the future. All right. <laughs> my name is Sarah Yeager. I'm here with my beautiful co-host, We're anti-ism Joy. here. We are. <laughs> Very anti-isms. Um, so, uh, I mentioned earlier how when my mom comes over for, like, swim uh-huh. time with the kids... She like moves into my house. Yeah. Um, she brought like five bags of stuff today. And every time she comes over in the summer, without fail, she brings over a new pool floaty. Okay. Every single time. Um, she just expects us to like throw them She's away. Quite the collection. <laughs> yeah. Well, my garage, like half the year, is pool floaties that we brought right. in, and then eventually they all pop and we brought th- in. I like throw them away. <laughs> Sounds like it's like you're doing charity. <laughs> like you have a shelter. We do. We have a shelter for my mom's pool floaties. <laughs> anyway, um, so today, she, I'm, I think I was making a marinade. Yeah, I was making a marinade for some chicken that I need to cook when I get home. And my daughters are bringing in just like bags, <laughs> like they're going out to my mom's car and they're bringing. In, I like. I went from having my entire counter to make this marinade to uh-huh. like literally the foot in front of me because of all the stuff she's bringing in. What did she bring? Yeah. Uh, Snacks? Flo- another floaty. Not floaties. Well, the <laughs> you know my big blue chair? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. That entire big blue chair was unblown up floaties. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh-huh. And then next to me, there's like, um, you know those yellow uh, vanilla covered almonds from Sprouts? Oh, uh-huh. My kids call them bugs. Okay. They're their favorite. Bugs. Strawberries, frozen chicken nuggets, um, packages of electrolytes, takeout boxes, watermelon, a whole watermelon, a cut up watermelon. Um, Which is so cute because what it means is she's been waiting. She packed. She prepared. She had to have been packing all morning to come over. Summer might be at a frozen chicken nugget, so... (laughs) I should bring some uh, sunscreen, uh-huh. you know, stuff that makes total sense. But like she's like she's planning for like a pool party, but it's just like her and two of my girls for well, the, the next couple hours. Depends on how you define, define a party. party. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> um, after she put the party don't start till Nani walks in. She saw me like whisking the marinade and she was like, oh, what are you doing? And I was like, I'm making a marinade for this chicken. And she goes, here's one. And she holds up an entire <laughs> cooked chicken. <laughs> the entire, an entire cooked chicken. <laughs> and she's like, I'm going to put it in the fridge. Like, was it? I have no info- In a container? I'm assuming. 
Uh, it was in a, a freezer like a, bag, a big oh, freezer okay. bag that she okay. just brought over. I don't know. Well, why. I don't I mean, know. Lots of good protein and chicken. Well, <laughs> so anyway, all that to say, I have never, there's only one item that I've ever asked my mom to bring over. One okay. thing. Now, my mom makes sourdough and she's good at it. Okay. I did not know this. But she makes it at a rate that since it's just her and my dad oh like they right. can't eat it at right so she has to freeze it okay. so she chops it and freezes it so whenever she is coming over she's like do you need anything i'm like just bring sourdough because right. i know she has to get rid of it right like i'm eating frozen sourdough from like april right now because she marks it she yeah. labels it obviously and bags it and whatever which is fine she it's been frozen whatever right moral of the story she brought sourdough oh good um that was in one of the bags. That was in one of the bags. <laughs> so as I was leaving today, being extremely pregnant, uh-huh. I was like, I know that there's sourdough in here. So I go and I grab a piece of sourdough. I get in the car, take a bite. It's frozen. Right. And I was like disappointed because this was frozen. I thought like normally when she brings it over, she's thawed it and okay. brought it over. Okay. So I go to take a bite. It's frozen. And I was like, I live in Arizona. So I wrapped it in a paper towel and I drove halfway here with mm-hmm. it just on my dash. Uh-huh. And it was toasted. And, and <laughs> <laughs> it's a 15 minute drive. Um, halfway through, seven and a half minutes in, <laughs> it was ready to eat. So and I'm not kidding. Just a tip it, it just... for anyone else who lives here. <laughs> if you just put it on your dashboard and drive for seven minutes. Yeah. You've cooked your food. Yeah. You know, like after you swim and you're kind of wet. <laughs> And it's the least fun part of the swimming. Like the swimming's over. Yeah. And then you're just kind of wet and you you're have to wet. crack through the house and stuff. Yeah. Well, we don't experience Phoenix, that. It's like <laughs> five minutes. It's going to dry so quick. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. I know. I went swimming with the Danny last weekend and I was like, all right, let's get out and dry off. And we sat in the shade. Yeah. For five minutes, mm-hmm. and it was like, let's go inside because we're our hair bone air, dry. Our hair dryer air yeah. wind is enough to, if bone the sun dry. can't, the wind will. The will. Yeah, <laughs> I think that is one thing people don't understand about this heat is that when the wind blows, it feels like a very hot blow dryer is being blown yeah. on you. It's like, just so dry. I your don't skin think people... actually hurts. Yeah. Your whole body, <laughs> especially after you swim and you've been in the chlorine. Uh huh. Oh, just the and dry, the heat, and you you can like feel your face you is like tighter. Yeah, you do. Yeah, your skin is just like wrapping around. Oh, it's awful. Anyway, yeah, um, yeah. I never really, I, I didn't really know that because mm. I didn't have a lot to compare it to. Yeah, but my husband is yeah. from a very wet part. Mm-hmm. of the country mm-hmm. and he's like yeah the dryness yeah it's a real thing is mm-hmm. he's like you you guys all think it's normal yeah <laughs> apparently well he he says y'all think it's normal <laughs> y'all think it's normal it's not normal y- yeah y'all no, wrong he loves the desert now he loves the desert now but it's just very stinky yeah everyone's always like it's a dry heat like but that, that's which is supposed to be some kind of consolation <laughs> I'm sorry. Listen, <laughs> I used to spend my summers on Long Island. And so I understand when it's 95 degrees and it's 100% humidity, I understand how oppressive that is. Oh, like, yeah. I've, I lived in Georgia, spent my summers on Long Island. I understand. I know what a wet, humid. Right. Yeah. We made I it get into it. this like competition. For me, it's not a competition. No. But I'm just saying the dry, yeah. ultra dry hot is just so unlike anything you, else. You don't you don't get to act like it's less miserable because right. when your skin is burning off because you're just outside. Right. And there's nothing between you and the sun. Right. There's not a water molecule no, between you and the sun. One. <laughs> not a single one. Well, and I noticed, too. So I lived in Georgia for two years, but we would come home for Christmas and the sun is different here because when I was in Georgia, I never wore sunglasses. Okay. And so when I would come to Phoenix for Christmas, so it's the middle of winter. Right. 
Um, I would have forgotten my sunglasses because I just never thought about wearing them. And my eyes would hurt. Yeah. Like we we're in a different climate. Like the sun hits so different. The sun is different. Yeah. And um, I never needed sunglasses where I was in Georgia, which was North Georgia. Uh, and then I would get here and I would be like, I can't even drive. Like, it's so bright. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, can't anyway. Well, it's just, and it's just like blue. You just have, yeah. you have tan and blue. Tan and blue. Just light. Then it's, it's supposed to be light colored. The ground is light colored here for a reason. It is. Yeah. But, um, anyway. God knew what he was doing. Yep. But, uh, but yeah, I, it's different, man. It's really a different color palette. When you don't have any like <laughs> trees to like guard yes. you yes. from the sun and everything's just like reflective. Right. It's like, oh, it hurts. I don't know how people don't wear sunglasses here. I don't. I ne- I just never did. I can't. But I need, I'm realizing that was a mistake now. Yeah. <laughs> I can't go outside without sunglasses. I can't bear it. I'm in the I'm pool like, with my, my sunglasses. Why is my vision so bad? Have I slowly been burning my <laughs> burning retinas? Burning your retinas. Hmm. <laughs> No. The moral of the story is I think wherever you live, you should probably wear sunglasses when you're outside, um, particularly when you live in a really, I don't know, the sunshine state. Yes. That's what that's what we are here. Yeah. What's our other thing? Valley the copper, of the sun. Copper. What? The Grand Canyon state. Oh, yeah. But I think we're also like the copper state or something like that. Oh, I didn't know that. That has some symbolism with our flag, I think. I, I remember when I when I moved to to nevada eric asked me like what our state song was like what Mm -hmm. arizona's state song was and then he like busted into nevada's state song which i guess they like had to sing in school and i was just like we did not i know texas has their own god bless texas no i think i think they have like a you know how you say the pledge of allegiance yeah but I think they do like a Texas Pledge of Allegiance as Shut well. up. Or used to. Or at least used to in some places. If you know the Texas Pledge of Allegiance. Which seems like a real Texas thing to do. Will you please leave it <laughs> yes. on our voicemail? Yes. 470-465-0475. I might play it on the air. So. I mean, I'm kind of interested in I just know. having state songs. Oh, yeah. You can or... call us and sing your state song. Yeah. I know, like, one of, I think, like, Louisiana or something, theirs is, like, You Are My Sunshine, but, it, like, this really sad version of it. Oh, like, in minor? <laughs> yes. We, well, because then Eric and I were just, like, laying there Googling state songs. I guess I need to, I don't even know what our, oh, I feel like they I love you, Arizona. It's, it goes, it's I love you, Arizona. Oh. Uh, uh, the Arizona state song is really bad. I'm so, why don't I know it? It's the air. Wait. I love you. Air- Who I think it's aside this. I think it's called. And can you ever like amend? <laughs> like, so, hey, 75 years have passed since we decided yeah. I love you. Arizona was the state song. No, a lot of songs have been written since then. I'm just saying. I, we, I just remember we were laying in bed listening to this horrible rendition of this song that was like, I love you, Arizona. And it was just like, what is happening? It sounds right like now? the opening to like the evening news. Yeah, it really did. It was that bad. It was that bad. State songs of Arizona. Do we have multiple? One State of them is song facts and trivia. I love you, Arizona. I love you, Arizona. What is the official state song? I don't know. Apparently some songs be up in here trying to pretend like they're official, but they're not. (laughs) They are not. Okay. Oh, here's one. The Arizona March song. State song of Arizona. I really like uh, where the golden sun is flaming into warm white shining day. These are horrible. Anyway, state they, songs are the very a bad first idea. lines. They said flaming, <laughs> flaming, so shining. Yes, like just so like there you, you guys go. Know. Everything we just said, it's true. It's in the state song, <laughs> and that's how you know that it's true. Anyway, yep, that's me. I'm summer. Um, well, you're right about whatever we just talked about. <laughs> Thank you. That's the energy. <laughs> that's the energy to bring. <laughs> um i am joy and i'm here with my beautiful co-host summer and um i found uh two kind of silly questions mm. um good here's the first one okay and then next week we'll do the next the okay. other one got it i'm ready does mike wazowski wink or does he blink <laughs> he blinks he can't wink. 
because a, a wink by definition is a lack of one eye blinking, but he can't do that. Can you tell me my math but is right? My math the option. checks out. I know my math on this one checks out. Okay, so your answer is he cannot wink. He cannot wink. So he is blinking. He can only blink because, like I said, a wink is when you only close one eye. But he can only close one eye. So he there's no like negation here of an eye being closed because he only has one. Which means some people in that universe, well, some monsters, I guess, mm-hmm. can't do certain things that yeah. other monsters can do. Yeah, absolutely. Just like with humans. <laughs> Welcome to life. It's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. <laughs> it's not fair. Look, <laughs> some, some of can't. us are winkers. <laughs> some of us are not. Some of us are blinkers. So <laughs> my dog blinks. That's just how it is. And some of you need to learn how to use your blinker. <laughs> <laughs> and stop winking at certain and people. And stop winking. <laughs> There's a proverb about winking. <laughs> he who winks with his eyes right. or something. <laughs> I forget what it is. Well, but... doesn't apply to the... Mike Wazowski. Yeah. That's the right answer, right? That's your answer, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. It makes perfect sense. It's uh-huh. really straightforward. Yes, I agree. I figured you would answer that way. I just yeah. wanted to see. No, yeah. I think you can have like a winking attitude. Right. I think there's a yeah. winking too. No, I agree that there are things that accompany the wink other than just one eye closing. Yeah. But I really, I think that the primary, like if I did like this kind of like yeah. shoulders, you wouldn't be like, are you winking at me? <laughs> no, you'd no. have a different name for that. Right. The winking is very specifically yeah. about your eyeballs. Isn't winking kind of like, there's something about winking that's like a little like nefarious, like, yeah. but also can be really cute and like not nefarious. Yeah. It really depends on the person and the situation. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like an, it's an aside. So it's always sort of hidden. Yeah. But it can either be like playfully hidden yeah. or it's deceptive <laughs> so yeah. yeah that yeah. makes a big difference <laughs> i love that uh Janie's recently learned what winking means oh but she doesn't oh she winked at me the other did day she? what she did she did. say oh dang it what did she say she's like really learned but like the thing that she hasn't learned is that like if you're winking at someone because you want them to like be in on something that no one else is you can't let everyone else see right <laughs> So, like, we'll be at the dinner table, and she'll be like, right, Mom, I did that. Yeah. (laughs) It's, like, really, it's, like, everyone saw it. Her mouth opened. Georgia will be like, Mom, can I scare you? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Sure. Totally. (laughs) Go for it. Enjoy. Something you should know, though. (laughs) Very important part of scaring someone is kind of the the element of surprise. Or I know, I'm sure I've, I'm sure I have said this before on the show, but I used to know this little boy that would, he would be like, it would be April's, I may have even just said this when we did our April Fool's episode, Uh. but he used to say, he'd be like, I'm hey, guess what? I'm about to tell you an April Fool's joke. It's not true. (laughs) And then he would be like, and our house got broken into. He would just tell me. He'd just tell you up front. Like, give you the heads up. Uh, but just like one, not even, I'm sure, like not even really spaces in the sentence. Bless his yeah. heart, mm-hmm. though. Kids are the best. Yeah. All right. It's cute. Well. Sweet. <clears throat> tell us your state song. Leave us a voicemail. 470-465-0475. You can uh, join the Sheologians Book Club. That is at patreon.com slash sheologians all the information you need is there or you can just support us uh we need your support we need your help uh so do that again patreon.com slash sheologians or you can do that at sheologians.com there's a big donate button and that will go uh straight to making all this magic happen and telling you about the frozen sourdough (laughs) just as you said the word magic i was reading a state song 
And oh. it said, ooh, Arizona, you're the magic in me. Like, <laughs> as the same time I read the word magic. I said magic? said magic? You guys, it's a sign. Uh-huh. It's time for you to support us. 2022 <laughs> is the year. <laughs> magic, magic, the magic. Year of magic. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, this girl in our church made me a cute little, she, like, crocheted a uh, little octopus for me. Nelly. Oh, cute. But I love the octopus. And the time that went into it and the sentiment. But the accompanying card was so that she wrote was so hilarious. I have a small collection of cards that I have Perfect. kept yes. over the years. And one of them is the card that Nellie gave me. Yeah. At she has you have one too. Wedding. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's yeah. just hilarious and adorable. And I love everything about it. Anyway, yeah. it started with an, a quote from the office and it was. It just, can only get better from there. It was just so funny, and the timing, and anyway. Isn't Remember, that kids funny? are wonderful. Okay. Yes, they really, <laughs> Moral really are. Moral of the story. Absolutely, they're great. Um, so if you feel like you don't know any, yeah, you, you just do. haven't gotten to know them. You do, yeah. You just haven't gotten to know them yeah. yet, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, <laughs> they're super fun. Uh, so today we're going to talk about. You know, when you when you brought up this topic, it reminded me of an email that we got years ago. Okay. That I cannot stop thinking about. I think about it weekly. I don't know why, but it pops into my brain. I have those things too, for sure. It's just like, oh yeah, remember that question? Um, we got an email years ago and it was an earnest question. I don't think of it because it was a bad question. It just like stuck in my brain. And it was if we, when we're being creative, well, basically the idea was should we even strive to be creative? Because are we trying to take glory from God, who's like the creator? Like, should we even be striving for that? And so, like, her question was around, like, are we being idolatrous? Are we trying to like take away from God or like take his glory? When we are we trying to be God when we be creative mm-hmm. and I I don't I can't quite articulate all the reasons why I think about that question every week probably um, I've thought about mm. it every week since I got the email huh. <laughs> um, because well because I think it's a duty of ours to be creative right i think it's like a job yeah it's like part of our job description Mm -hmm. is to be creative and maybe people just have like a really narrow definition maybe i have a very wide definition of what being creative means um yes maybe that's part of it but anyway when you brought up this topic that was one of the first things i thought of Mm -hmm. um but i didn't really know where you wanted to go with it so i'm gonna let you go with it well yeah that's an interesting that's interesting and I think it probably has a lot to do with um well largely it would appear that the arts and the creative vocations and a lot of just created products even come from the world like secular culture and society and so we kind of get this idea that those things because we see so much creative Mm -hmm. creatively represented evil and wickedness we we incorrectly assume that creativity is the problem but I think Mm -hmm. we just um I think I think underneath that is the shiny veneer that the Christians that have come before us have left behind Mm -hmm. or you were saying like the dregs it's like the very bottom of the drink and so we're still we're still experiencing the dregs of of western civilization right right. (laughs) yeah um but I think uh what we haven't seen, what we're starting to see, absolutely no question starting to see is um, what uh, Gresham Machen, he basically said that postmodern and liberal art becomes repetitive and increasingly bizarre. Mm -hmm. And upon hearing that definition, 
Uh, That's funny. I have a Machen quote. Oh, very nice. That's funny. I think this is the first time we both brought a <laughs> Machen quote. Machen quote. Okay. Interesting. Um, but I, so I think that we, we just, I think a part of it is that we live in an interesting time and we need to really mm-hmm. understand what creativity is. Mm-hmm. Um, and just because somebody has kind of stolen it and is pretending that it operates as art or as creativity, mm-hmm. um, it's not expressing the things it's supposed to express. Mm-hmm. And I agree, it becomes repetitive and increasingly bizarre. But I think that um, because we haven't seen it like full blown jump over the edge into repetitive and increasingly bizarre Mm -hmm. we think we don't realize like what the root of creativity Mm -hmm. actually is which is from god i think it yeah all that to say i think it's easy to think that um the arts like fall in some Mm -hmm. worldly wicked Mm-hmm. realm that god had never intended that only came about as a result of sin but that's not yeah the only reason we think that is because there is still the illusion that we are a functioning mm-hmm. um coherent society but yeah. we're not so yeah um so the f- so our art is also not coherent even though mm-hmm. yeah there's still there's enough there still to There's keep enough. the illusion going. Yeah. But I think we're getting to the point where it's becoming less like the illusion is sort of breaking down a little bit. And we're starting oh, to see, yeah. see what this world, this secular wicked world is creating is not actually yeah. creative or artistic. Right. But well, and I mean, if it's true that art is a reflection of a culture's worldview, then it is worthwhile to learn how to interpret what you see in the arts. Right. And I think a lot of people falsely believe that artists are just feelers. They're not thinkers. Yeah. But that's not true mm-hmm. at all. Yeah. Um, I think that's a really kind of romantic yeah. romance idea that we can go ahead and let go of. Um, artists are very deep thinkers they well, may think of differently very like geometric and yeah and there's all different there's so many different like you said there is this very wide definition yeah of what constitutes mm-hmm. creative work and value mm-hmm. and so i do think sometimes we our definitions a little too Aren't narrow way too narrow i mean i think um you know one way i have i have one daughter that when I ask her to organize something like mm-hmm. bring organization to this area of your room, it's really messy. She can very creatively, I think it's yes. very creative how she problem solves how to make this area work, but also how to like make it look nice yes. and presentable. And that's creativity. That is totally. Right. Now, is she also good at painting? I think so. I think she's good at drawing. Mm-hmm. I think she's good at painting. Um, but she, that skill also spills over into all kinds of other areas that I think she's very creative in. Right. Um, but she's also very good at math and has kind of that, that kind of brain, um, which is interesting because I think in our society, we have totally wanted to separate, like, if you're good at math and science, you're not good at the arts. Right. Which is classically like throughout history, not how art has yeah. been viewed. <clears throat> That's really impacted by uh, naturalism and evolution. <laughs> yes. Yes. The idea that we are the product of what our brains do. Yes. And so if we're more this way, then we're this way. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely, yeah. it's a simple, very simplified version of how human beings are. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I actually wanted to talk a little bit about how in art history, and this is something I lo- I think art history, like, because you can learn so much about a culture and a society through its art, I think there are things that you can only come to a fully orbed understanding by understanding a time period's art and Agreed. the way that they use language. Um, art history was just like one of my favorite classes in college but also um nancy piercy wrote a book called saving leonardo that's all about art and she talks about this she takes you through a very in-depth like walk through history 
and how you can look at the art in certain periods and understand how the thinkers thought and what religion was dominant. Right. And so anyway, she talks about this. And I mean, this is if you've ever thought about the history of art, you've thought about this. But in with the ancient Greeks, a major thread that you'll see there and a thread all throughout Western thought um, was this conviction that ultimate truth could be seen in mathematics and in geometry mm-hmm. in those disciplines. Like those are unfalsifiable, right? Math is math. Now, of course, two plus two can be five in our culture, but again, that's a product of our repetitive and increasingly bizarre. Yes. <laughs> and <There> so <laughs> you can see in their art, this idea that math and geometry is necessary to truth and what is ultimately unfalsifiable and able to be known. And so essentially what they believed was that if beauty, if the cosmos are beautiful and they are stars, Mm -hmm. planets, the earth, it's beautiful, then beauty must be a matter of math. That's it what must the be Greeks, measurable. It in must some be way. yeah, like there must be some way that you can see this in geometry and in math. And so, if you think about the ancient Greeks, the art that you think of is the sculptures. That's what you're going to think of, and the sculptors that we still, you know, haven't like the artists that are still being held as valuable in our museums today from that time period. They all had like precise mathematical rules for everything that they were doing from like the proportion of the fingers to the hand. Like mm-hmm. the pro- we still like look at these artifacts and we just like marvel at the perfect proportions. And it's because they had this deeply held belief that ultimate truth is found in math. And since the world is beautiful, beauty must be something that can be mathematically executed. Mm-hmm. And so then you see, if you want to like fast forward a little bit, to which I do because this is a lot of this there's so much here um but the next time period I find really interesting that just super reflects the religion and what they believed would be the 13th century uh which was the century of the friars you had the Franciscans and the Dominicans the Dominicans they were founded around 1226 which was about the time that Aristotle's philosophy was back in vogue Mm. okay So what the friars wanted to do, specifically the Dominicans, they wanted to adapt it into a Christian theology. We're still arguing about Aristotle and Christian theology today, but that's for another episode. Um, And then the Franciscans, they were founded around the same time by St. Francis of Assisi. You've probably heard of him. And he is the guy who's credited with creating the first nativity scene. All right. Now, all of us have lived our whole lives with nativity scenes because of this dude. Okay, And he had a live baby in the manger with oxen and donkey like he set up this whole scene. Right. And what motivated him to set up the scene now in previous scenes, the focus was not on like a baby in the manger. It was like the stars, the cosmos, like before this time. Mm -hmm. And he really focused in on Jesus as a human as a live human child and that's because there was like this newfound interest in Christ's humanity and so that there was this Greek preference for the universal the cosmos what was out there and then there was kind of this focus this zoom in on the value of the individual and so when you look at paintings from those times you're going to see this massive shift to the individual and it's super super interesting um and it really did happen because of a focus on jesus and who he was um they wanted to make paintings that were as real as possible and that depicted the surroundings as real as possible there was less of this focus on the universe rather it shifted to the individual and so it's not surprising that right after that when the reformation happened and we went from having this this dualism of, you know, the priests, the uh, people that secluded themselves and worked for the church, they were the ones that were valuable. Everyday life and work, not so valuable. When the Reformation happened, you start seeing this break with dualism, 
because essentially the idea of dualism was dying and ordinary life and work was becoming revered Mm -hmm. and nature wasn't this like evil thing that we had to escape from right it was this thing that you could in a righteous way live in and so you see this shift from uh lots of paintings of saints and holy ones to you see paintings of people just like milking their cows and working and sewing and and nature is a part of it so if you think about the the paintings that you know of like patron saints or whatnot Mm -hmm. it's just the person with like a gold background because the gold was supposed to make you think of heavenly things there was no like trees or whatever because all of that is bad yeah um and then in the protestant mindset when the religion really shifted there the protestant mindset you see a lot of rolling hills and donkeys and carts and just all that like daily stuff which was important again and so anyway that's super brief. Of course, we could talk about what happens in the 1800s with the romantics and then, of course, postmodernism coming after yeah. that. And that's a lot there. But I think sometimes when you look backwards, it's easier to see, yeah, the art of a time period reflects the culture. Mm-hmm. And that's actually meaningful. We used to think of art as something that could actually tell us something, that could actually point to ultimate truth. That is what artists for most of history thought. That's not how we think anymore. It's all about individual expression and my truth. And interpretation. And interpretation. Um, And one reason I think Christians have lost their way with this is, of course, the rise of social media. Because what we think is aesthetic now largely has to do with what influencers say. Yeah. Instead of asking, there's a marketing. Is this good? Is this true? Is this beautiful? What does this point to? It's like, is what I'm creating matching up with something I would want on Instagram? Which isn't. I don't care if you want to post your stuff on Instagram. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's almost like we're scrambling for meaning because we've forgotten who gives meaning right to these things. Yeah, I am. When we decided on this topic, uh, I have a completely different thing, of course, than what you did, but you led right into it, Perfect. which is my predominant thoughts were on style. Mm-hmm. Which are, they're important. It's important. Right. That's what I was trying to say yeah. is like the style, what you, what style you go after actually does matter. Right. Because style is directly uh, a kind of a product of your taste. Um, and I think what you're getting at is it's hard to know if we have any taste. <laughs> Has postmodernism made everything so just like a big white canvas with a red dot in the middle of yeah. it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that we have to each lost their own. <laughs> our style, like any sort of taste at all. Yeah. Like, do we have any requirements for something that we would consider beautiful? Or does everything have to be beautiful and nothing can be uh repulsive Mm -hmm. or wicked or Mm -hmm. ugly Mm -hmm. um and we just nowadays we just have to believe that everything is equally Mm -hmm. beautiful and valuable um and it's just clearly not and in i think that it's very intentional that we've all Mm -hmm. lost our taste oh yeah um while simultaneously tasting the most things ever than any other group of people yeah um like we have all this access mm-hmm. and we've lost like we have access to every kind of style, every kind of artistic medium. Seriously. And yet we don't have any taste for it. It's like yeah. we I don't know. It's I mean, it represents in, in my mind to some extent just that whole bohemian artist mentality, mm-hmm. um, which is kind of. synonymous with stripping yourself from reality stripping Mm -hmm. yourself from the boring and the mundane and being elevated and having Mm -hmm. a strong mind over Mm -hmm. a strong body Mm -hmm. um but yeah so i think that we i think we we have no taste or what we do like we mentioned earlier is we're like oh well we're not supposed to have any style or taste yeah which i think is just deeply inconsistent on a very common sense level yeah um because all of us have 
mm-hmm. <laughs> we have different styles. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us have similar tastes and similar yeah. styles. Um, and I think. Th- uh, <sighs> well, it reminds me of uh, that. Well, there's that documentary that came out about Warren Jeffs and the FLDS. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this, you know, it's so painful. Well, there's goodness. There's so many right. things Where so do you painful start with that. One yeah. of the things that's so painful about that story, about that cult in particular, because that is what it is, is that they say things that have a kernel of truth. Right. And, you know, most cult leaders are smart enough to make sure that they're throwing out enough occasionally true things. Mm -hmm. uh, Because if you're not occasionally saying something true, then, you know, the jig is going to be up for you real quickly. Mm -hmm. Uh, Thankfully, the jig was up for him, but far too late. Anyway, moral of the story, one of the images that will hit you if you watch that horrifying documentary is that they the requirement that they all dress the same. Yeah. They all had to have the same hair. There was only so many hairstyles they were allowed to go with. Mm-hmm. There's only so many colors they were allowed to wear. And this was sold and packaged as a form of godliness right. and something that was required of them. And unfortunately, I think a lot of true Christians might unknowingly subscribe to something very similar to that, which is like, the plainer I dress, the more boring I dress, the less right. vain I will be, the closer I will be to God. Right. Um, and the problem with that is that God does not require you to dress as frumpy or boring as possible. Well, and we know that just because of every, every, like you were saying, look back at everything that has happened to sort of determine like so we know that god made man in his image Mm -hmm. so if we look at back at history to see the things that men have done Mm -hmm. we can make some observations Mm -hmm. about how we image him yeah (laughs) and what we see is we see endless distinct Mm -hmm. cultures foods Mm -hmm. art Mm-hmm. that reflects what was going on at the time that reflects mm-hmm. the beliefs or the preferences mm-hmm. of a group of people different styles of dress different mm-hmm. styles of architecture yeah you see um it would be impossible for you to look around don't even try to look back down into history <laughs> if you even just look around at you now you can see that people express like there is i there is definitely sinful expression especially creatively. (laughs) Um, But you can't say that all forms of expression are sinful uh, because they're not. And it comes very naturally to us. Right. Um, And well, I think about how intentionally the Bible is very intentional in its verbiage. And we are told that Christ will adorn his bride. Right. So there's a certain way or even the temple, like how the temple was supposed to be. I mean, go read, go read Exodus. The temple was intentionally beautiful. Yes, it was intentionally pleasing to the eye. It was intentionally adorned. There were certain materials that were used specifically for adornment. Yes. That did not offer any efficient purpose other than adornment. <laughs> it's telling a story about the value and the worth of what's being done there. Right. And so I think it would be a tragedy when it comes time to dress yourself in the morning uh, uh, or to dress your house in such a way that totally denies that God cares about beauty. and he, right. And there is a standard by which to hold yourself to. Yeah. And it's not instagram right like that's not what it is and i think like sometimes i think about and i've talked about this before but i think about minimalism Uh and i think about how i'm talking about like the real real minimalism okay i'm not talking about those of you who like me have discovered that 
your house will feel more peaceful if you don't have junk everywhere. Right. Okay. Listen, I have no problem with you (laughs) cleaning out a closet, getting rid of things that you don't use. That's fine. It's great. Please do it if it makes your house more livable. But the true minimalism where it's like, I think about, um, Kim Kardashian's house oh, uh-huh. and how everything is monochrome and gray. And I remember when she and Kanye were like building the house, everybody's like, look at how crazy this is. And everything inside the house, there's, there's zero clutter. There's zero color. And looking at it, it was depressing. It was actually, um, the kind of house you see in like dystopic movies where in well, yeah. the future, no one like, has even, anything. Like there's not, there's not even a um this is how postmodern it is there's not a defining difference between the counter the bathroom counter and the sink right you turn the water on and it goes into the counter uh-huh and so and it's like so in it's so postmodern that there is not a difference between a a counter and there's, a sink yeah there's no even delineation there clearly <laughs> a difference between like they're two separate things yes but they're trying it's to like make hard them... to even describe what you're saying unless right. you've seen it because yes. it's so crazy. Yes. And that's what I think that's like minimalism on steroids yeah. where it's just like everything has to be so utilitarian. Nothing right. can be specific or beautiful or live up to its purpose or look like what it is. Yeah. Um, that it's painful. And I think a lot of times we think because we live in an age of so much because our grandparents tended to have every space of their wall and every single counter used. And we don't want to be like that, that we swing so far to the other side to where we just don't think anything is beautiful or worth looking at at all. Right. And it's like, that is zero taste. Yeah. Give me a, (laughs) give me a food bar to sustain me every day. Yes. Give me a shapeless yeah. gray building to live in. Yeah. Um, because I just don't see the yeah. use in having taste or style. And I absolutely, here's the deal. I absolutely believe that doing that will help your brain calm down. But the reason that that's happening is because our brains are so wired on screens and social media. Right. That when we finally look away from the screen, we need to have nothing to look at or it's overstimulating. Right. I don't think it's any coincidence that previous generations who were not hooked on screens and constant noise and constant right. this and constant that did want to have beautiful things hanging yeah. in their homes to look at. And they did want to have maybe more of their counter space used and mm-hmm. more of their wall space. Like that makes perfect sense to me, but we've located the wrong problem. The problem right. isn't that you hung beautiful pictures on your wall. The problem isn't like, yeah, maybe some of you had clutter you needed to clean up, fine, whatever. But the problem is that we are focusing on all the wrong things. And instead of making our homes, we've made, we've curated our social media feeds, essentially. Yes. How basically our life is reduced to just a presentation. Right. Like my life is what I present to you. Right. And right. That's real. (laughs) And listen, there are definitely some, I am not like reject modernism at all costs. Nothing good is happening. I know some people say things like that. I don't believe that. I don't believe that every trend, you don't have to go decorate your house like your grandparents did. Frankly. Well, there are people, I mean, honestly, I think, well, the opposite of minimalism is what? Materialism? Yeah. Which is putting contentment in the wrong like if i not pleading for that i just take all my stuff out of my house and don't even have a can opener (laughs) i will be happy yeah and the alternative is if i buy a bunch of stuff whether or not i can afford it Uh and my house looks exactly how i want to and it's perfectly expressed and my style is a perfect expression of who i am right and when i'm walking down the street you there there is no mistake (laughs) that you know who i am as a person right that's That's the false belief that your stuff can create contentment. Right. Versus lack of stuff. Freedom from freedom, air quotes. Right. (laughs) From stuff. They really do. (laughs) They really do sell you the guise of freedom. If you just, (laughs) if I only have five items of clothing, I'll finally be happy. Just seems like a real desperate grasp here uh, for things to make you happy. But the moral of the story is 
why are you putting in your house what you're putting in your house? Why are you wearing what you're choosing to wear? I absolutely think we should strive for beauty. We should care for beauty. And the standard of beauty is what God has said is beautiful. Mm-hmm. And that is something to that's something worth reflecting on and thinking about. When I think about the giants of history and the time periods that they lived in and the art that they knew of and the art that they had, it's vastly different than what we have now. And that is something to consider. Yeah. I think you need to make sure you have taste. First of all, you're allowed to like and dislike things. Um, I think that's a part of how, of how God created, God created us to not all be the same. Yeah. Um, we're all different. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, and so I think it's good to have taste. I think mm-hmm. it's boring to not have taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, since I'm using the word taste, like there are people who legitimately like saltless food, uh, bland as possible. And I just have to say that based off of an objective standard, mm-hmm. saltless food does not taste as good as salted food. Just doesn't. That is just a fact. <laughs> yeah. So I think that we <laughs> as worshipers of the ultimate creator should have taste and I think we should have good taste um that doesn't mean that everything you like is great and everything everyone else likes is dumb um (laughs) yeah (laughs) but so I think that um I mean at at this point I hopefully we all know you can't abandon your family to uniquely express your personal (laughs) style um and a lot of us spend too much money on expressing style or lack contentment um so we need to be real. You need to be real with what your budget is. Mm-hmm. I think that that touches a little bit on the Instagram thing. I think a lot of us, a lot of us feel like we're not able to express our style unless we can do X, Y, and Z. Um, but you also touched a little bit earlier. I really think that women are very uniquely talented when it comes to creatively, um, taking like raw or unfinished Mm -hmm. material and or maybe even damaged material Mm -hmm. and turning it back Mm -hmm. or into something that's beautiful and I think women are very like how many I mean doesn't that just you're talking about preceding generations of women Mm -hmm. and they had to learn certain trades to express their style they had to do things on their own because they couldn't there wasn't an Amazon, whether or not they could afford it right? <laughs> or whether or not they didn't have credit cards and right. bought everything only with money that they actually had that actually existed. Right. Um, but they were scrappy and clever and thrifty mm-hmm. and we didn't lose those things. I no. think women, women are good at that. Mm-hmm. They're good at those things and mm-hmm. we still, we continue to be good yep. at those things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we need to push yourself a little bit mm-hmm. and um, it, it's easy to just kind of throw money at the situation. Yeah. Uh, but if you like, if you, you can't, you can't be like, well, I guess we won't eat tonight, but my fireplace mantle looks amazing. <laughs> amazing. Everyone's going to come to the dinner party and see how wonderful <laughs> everything is, but it's going to be beans and rice for dinner. <laughs> So what I'm saying is you should prioritize your style and your taste um, where it belongs, put it where it belongs. And uh, that that's I mean, that there's there's some kind of conversation about modesty in there, Mm -hmm. about seasons in there. Yeah. um, And style and taste can change. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, I think that maybe we just haven't we haven't thought about it enough. Yeah. and we haven't developed taste. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like you said, maybe some people think they're doing the right thing. Yeah. But I think it's important. I think, and you know, it is a luxury. It's not a necessity to your life, mm-hmm. but we live again in that we're still in the dregs of, <laughs> of uh, the world that Western Christianity created. Yep. And one of the amazing luxuries is that we have, we've said it many times on this show, we have, the luxury of sitting around and 
uh, having intellectual conversations and Mm -hmm. reading, Mm -hmm. just having spare time to engage in the arts. Yeah. Um, And so even just things like uh, clothing Mm -hmm. style, Mm -hmm. all things to be super grateful for, Mm -hmm. just even the ability to be concerning yourself. With, with your style right <laughs> yeah um and i th- i don't think we should i don't think we should abandon those things mm-hmm. um i think they're a representation of of really good uh not that we're this culture <laughs> this culture in this nation is going to always be blessed right um, but that's definitely one of the blessings that comes with, uh, being a functional, innovative, mm-hmm. uh, God observing, yeah, <laughs> God worshiping, Bible observing culture. Um, and so, yeah, don't, don't believe the weird, false, pious, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you can just, that's sort of like a Catholic, like if you dress a certain type of way right. and do a certain type of thing, then that means you're like the most holy. Right. Um, but also don't like that is holding hands with everything is beautiful. Uh, <laughs> postmodernism and that are holding hands. <laughs> don't do either one. What I'm right. saying is you should have taste. A lack of taste is not a good thing. It doesn't mean you're more self-controlled. Right. But um, yeah, I just want to encourage people to be stylish. And some people legitimately have mm-hmm. better style than others. Like it's just, right. It's just how it is. Um, right. And you know, I think the Bible gives you some parameters and obviously during the church service, you're supposed to be expressing your style in a certain way. And at work, you should express your style in a certain way. But discernment, read the yeah, room, right? <laughs> care about right. it. So I don't, to answer that email. <laughs> oh, gosh. I don't think that being creative is trying to be God. I think you can, uh, there's so many different ways that you can try to steal God's glory. But I think one way that we reflect his glory as his image bearers is that we care about the things that he cares about. So when we talked several weeks ago about righteous anger how do you know when you're being righteously angry when you're angry over the things that god cares about when your motivations line up with his and i think when we are being creative and caring about the things that he cares about and when our motivations line up with his when we pursue creativity and pursue beauty and pursue style pursue taste um that's when you can know that you are doing this in a way that honors him. Right. Uh, So whether you're pursuing, you know, creativity in your cooking, right? Like, like you said, it's kind of a shame when someone only puts salt or maybe not even salt on their food because it was God's idea, like to make all of these flavors. And um, it it was his idea to do that. And if you have access to them, you should play around with that and enjoy that. Like what a shame, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with eating chicken nuggets for lunch, but what a shame if that's your entire palate. Right. Like to say no to this, all the variety nuggets and steak are the same thing. Yeah. Get out of here. (laughs) Get out. It just ignores the reality of God's world and what he's created and the options that he's given us. And well, and it, it honestly, it embraces the postmodern view. It, it embraces liberalism yeah. that the chicken nugget is the same as the steak. Yeah. Because what's true for you is true for you. Right. Yeah. It's just a shame. So, so don't, don't, don't do, that. do that. Yeah. Don't do that. Also, I want to make a quick cl- clarification. Okay. When I mentioned earlier, when I was talking about spending too much money. Yeah. What I meant was money you don't have. Oh yeah. Because for sure. I was talking about <laughs> like prioritizing it. Yeah. If you have um i'm trying to think of like a fancy place if you have like william and sonoma money or crate and barrel money please Enjoy i'm not it. talking about <laughs> not talking about your particular budget what i'm yeah. saying is when you like if you financially put your family in distress in order to express your personal style yeah that's a problem yeah don't do that don't do that and a lot of you are doing it okay <laughs> but i'm just saying <laughs> Yes, I absolutely want to leave it on that note. That's perfect. You can leave us a voicemail, 470 
465-0475. You know, a really good place is uh, to go to like Goodwill and stuff like that. Oh yes, absolutely. Your, and you kind of develop great. an eye. Like you yeah. might, if you go a few times and you don't see anything, give yourself some time. Go again. You'll develop Go to an one eye. in a rich part of your town. Right. There you go. Have a good week. <laughs> Hello, I'm waiting here for you.